You can invite him over. <laughs> yeah. We can do group uh, Skype calls now, so you don't even have to see him. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Ain't <sighs> hey, technology great. Or have him on Zoom or something. Mm. I mean, what could go wrong? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing just swell. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I'm recuperating. Recuperating? Yeah, I told you told you last week that I was going to a, an anime convention, right? Yeah. It was it it was kind of eye opening. Yeah. Did you wear your uh, your maid outfit? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I was going to say, it's weird that you said that. There is an overabundance of of grown males dressed in uh, French maid outfits. Yes. Had no clue that was a thing. Oh yeah. I we were we were waiting in line to meet a voiceover artist, and there was this person that was sitting on a table on the side. And I leaned down to my daughter and said, "That person in front of us is that a guy or a girl?" And she turned over and she looked and she goes, "That's a guy." And I was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> um, the it was the Queen City Anime Con, okay, um, in Charlotte, and um, I will give it to them. In order to buy tickets, you had to, um, you had to agree that you were vaccinated or come with a negative test. Okay. Um. So me and the kid roll up and they, they tell you to bring your vaccination card with you because you'll have to prove it there as well. And so we roll up and I hand them the stuff and there's a box of masks sitting on the table. And I guess if you showed up without a mask, they gave you one and said, you need to have this on you at all times. Okay. So it was a, it was a decent sized crowd. Um, so you had, you had to wear a mask. You had to wear a mask. Wow. Okay. Uh, um, the only time you didn't is if you were eating. And like when we ate, we were in a hallway on the side away from people. So we're okay. also wearing like proper N95 masks. Mm. So, you know, I felt okay being in those lines. Um, just because I'm vaccinated, I'm wearing an N95 mask and everybody else is wearing a mask. So even if somebody has something, the chances of me catching it are probably pretty low. Okay. So it was, it was fine. Um, it was the only convention that I've ever been to that didn't have a schedule like laid that like was printed out somewhere. Okay. You had to download an app. Okay. And then download from the app. You had to download the convention you were at and then figure out where the schedule was and then figure out what rooms were where. And, huh. and I was like, okay, that's, that's a little strange. And then I walked up and I said, because she wanted, she wanted the autograph of this voiceover guy who 
she she loves one of the shows that he's in but there were no prices anywhere and so I walked over to the information desk and I said do you guys have a list of how much autographs are because I didn't want to wait in line and then roll up and use 75 bucks for an autograph ouch well so and and the woman said no we don't they make up their own prices. I said, I understand they make up their own prices, but you guys should know what those prices are. Right. So when somebody comes asking, Oh, well, you know, it's on the table. And I said, that's great, but the table isn't set up because unlike other cons, they only two people at a time were signing. Oh, and so you had to come back at the right time and get in line. And then, um, you know, so there was, it was this dude and this other chick that's a voiceover artist. And so we were like, they would let five people over to the table at a time. And okay. there were a couple of people at the guy that my kid wanted the autograph from. And we wound up in front of the other woman. And so she's like, how are you today? And I'm like, we're good. And she goes, who are you here to see? And I was, I didn't want to be like, not you, (laughs) but that's basically what I had to say. I was like, we're here for him. So she was like, oh, could you just scoot down a bit? And I was like, well, no, because I'm not getting in that guy's ass. Like, (laughs) like, I don't know what, like, talk to the other people. Maybe you should have been at a different table. Like, it was set up a little weird. Hmm. So, and like, you could go in the dealer room one way and you had to exit out a different door and that different door put you past everybody that was signing. And so they would stop at the table if they wanted an autograph and somebody would have to come over and be like, no, you have to go wait in that line. So it was taken forever. We waited for like an hour for the autograph. And I was like, and the dude wasn't even like that personable when we, when, when we went up, you know, my kid's not the, most talkative child and he could have recognized that like she was nervous meeting somebody and like so which which of the shows do you really like and blah 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 and like he just didn't do that and so it was like which one do you want signed and so she pointed at the one she she said a couple of things to him and he signed it and we walked away and I was like and it was only 30 bucks for the the autograph but it was one of those things that like homeboy was making change on his own. Like, um, who was that that we saw? Lou Ferrigno. Oh yeah. It was one of those things. He was like, okay, that's $30. And so I handed him 40 and he was like, I'll be right back with your change. And I was like, dude, this poor fucking dude, man. So it was, it was interesting. And then we went to a couple of panels because the voiceover artists for the, the game that my kid loves was there so we went and saw them and um one of the one of the voiceover actors is named uh Risa May okay and so we had seen her sitting at the table and didn't go up because her her autograph was like 55 bucks and i was really? like mm, you're not that big of a voiceover artist like sorry and then, like, she walks in the room for the Q&A, and I hadn't realized that when she was sitting at the table that she was a little person. 
Oh. <laughs> and so she comes walking up on stage and I, I had this thought in my head and it's terrible and I'm sorry, but like, I was like, who let the kid up on stage? <laughs> and then they were like, it's, it's Risa May and everybody claps. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's her. And then like, you come to find out that she has a $55 autograph and like, this is like the, the first thing that she did. And it's like, Oh, you're kind of full of yourself, but huh. whatever. Oh, and she's Chinese. Yes. But she's little. Yes. Mm. And like, you know, that kind of dwarfism where they have like bowed out legs. Yes. She has a very bad case of that. Oh, wow. So, you know, she's hopping back and forth and whatever. Wait, are you sure? Yeah. Why? Okay, because on her website, I'm trying to, like, find a picture of her standing up somewhere. Oh, here's one. Oh, you can't really tell. Like, from the waist up, she looks normal. Yeah, well, that's why when she was sitting at the table, I had no clue. I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Oh, there's, okay, there's a picture <laughs> of her singing to this other little dude. <laughs> Which is probably her husband. Oh, okay. Because he was there, too. Was he? And he, <laughs> he came in, she did two, she did two Q and A's back to back. It was her by herself. And then the, the video game Q and A. Okay. And he came in in the middle of her, her first Q and A and like went to the front row and then like hopped on a seat. And, <sighs> but it wasn't very like nonchalant. He like made like noise as he walked through the door and like, popped up on the thing so i was just like, mean, like grunted or well, no but like you know how when you walk in you're trying to be quiet because people well are up on stage some talking. people are well this dude was like banging into things and like didn't just like get up in the thing he like hopped on the thing and the chair squeaked and stuff and it's like dude that's your wife man hey stubby <laughs> shut up <laughs> so uh, and you know We've been to we've been to a lot of sci-fi and like pop culture events. I've been to a bunch of horror conventions in Charlotte and stuff like that. But I've never heard Q&A questions quite like the anime Q&A questions. Really? They were So there's this video game called Genshin Impact. And okay. it's a it's like a it's like a fantasy fighting game. It's kind of like Final Fantasy from what I've seen. And the two women that were up on stage from Genshin Impact were like two of the more popular characters in the game or whatever. And some of the questions was like, who should your character date? And I was like, oh, this is where we're going with this, huh? And it was it was like, if you could play any other character, what character would you play? It's like, are those really the questions that are are like burning inside of you that you want to know from these voiceover actors? Well, what would you ask? If if I had to ask a question of somebody that I was a fan of, it would probably, well, depending on who it was, but if I had to ask one in general, it would be, out of everything you've done, what are you most proud of? Or something along those lines. Okay. You know, but fortunately, it's not one of those things where you have to ask a question. You know. 
Because my kid had never been to a Q&A, and she actually said to me, I don't have to ask a question, do I? <laughs> and I said, well, if you want to. And she was like, no, I don't want to. I just want to hear what they have to say. And I said, yeah, that's fine. She goes, but it's a Q&A. I said, not everybody asks a question. They're not asking you the questions. <laughs> you! What's wouldn't that be my funny? Wouldn't cake? that be funny to go to a Q&A? And it's just the person on stage, like, asking questions of the audience. Uh, see, uh, that'd probably be more entertaining. That's That would be funny. Uh, see, I kind of I kind of think that that's... If if you and I ever do a Q&A, that's what we're doing. Okay. We're going we're gonna to sit down, and they're going to say, okay, so we have some questions, and we're going to say, no, we're asking the questions. <laughs> and I'll be like, what? Just trust us. <laughs> so it was the other thing that that I was not expecting was how many African American people are in the anime. Really? Yeah. Okay. And and it's just a thing of like I never it doesn't seem like something that that black people would necessarily be interested in. But the amount of, of black people that were in full costumes and like painted up like their favorite characters, you know, good for them that like they can identify with, with somebody. Um, but it just kind of threw me off guard because you don't normally see, I don't normally see that when I go to other conventions, you don't see black people. No, like, <laughs> no, you no. don't. <laughs> It's they're, they're they're not things that I necessarily equate with a black audience like anime or okay. horror. I mean, it's always the black dude that gets killed first in horror movies, you know, so it's always like a weird thing. But I don't know. It was it. it there are a couple of eye opening experiences is all I can say. Mm. It was more than I was expecting. And what did you go as? Uh, uh, bright-eyed father. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. Did she dress up? She wore a... Something that she wore in Halloween, and I couldn't tell you what it was from. Okay. But it's it's like this jacket that has a hood on it, and it's got bunny ears. Like big floppy bunny ears on it. And there were actually other She was people. Louise from Bob's Burgers. No, she wasn't. So... It you know. It's fine. It it is what it was. She had a good time. That's all that's important. That is. This was not for me. This was for her. The dealer room was all. Um. Either um, I don't want to say amateur artists because they're being paid for their work, but genre artists. So it was all anime stuff. Okay. Um, and then like, I guess anybody with a, with a cricket vinyl machine and a button maker, uh-huh. um, are there making things Sure. and, and making money. And there was only real, there was really only one booth that we went to that had like, like anime statues and you know what you would normally see at a sci-fi convention every other booth would have you know star wars figures and star wars statues and stuff like that 
there was only one of those here. Really? Yeah. Okay. And the rest was like not very messy. Yes. Yes. That that's okay. a better way to say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was it was fine. I guess. All right. I mean, she 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 had a good time. We spent a, a ton of money, you know, like you normally would. It was it was you know eighty bucks for the both of us to get in and twenty five bucks to park. Holy shit! <laughs> and then uh, there was only really one place to get food, and we both got four ch- like four chicken fingers and fr- and fries and a water. And for both of us to eat, it was thirty two dollars. I was like being at Disney. Yeah, that's exact. I was like, oh okay, this is this is what we're doing. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, who am I to judge? Well, hey, well, that's good. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, it was it was fine. You know, and you had something to talk about. Yeah. Win-win. Yeah, I mean, she wants to go back next year if they have. Oh. And I said, well, we should really think about, you know, maybe some of your friends coming. Mm. Because the very first convention that I ever went to was in New York City. My dad took me to a Star Trek convention. Okay. It was the first time that Patrick Stewart and William Shatner were ever going to be on stage at the same time together. Okay. And so it was, you know, we're standing outside and somebody asked what time it was and the dude dressed as a Klingon uh, answered with what time it was on on Vulcan or something. Okay. And my dad leaned over to me and goes, where, what are, why are we here? What are we doing? What is this? <laughs> and you know, did so, you ask to go or did he say, yes, hey, no, I okay. said, I said, I really want to go to this. And he, and he okay. said, okay, let's go. And that was the only one he ever took me to. Oh, cause you know, after that, that was it was enough. And he sat, I think he sat in like, it was, there was one big ballroom where they had all these, like Q and A's and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just sat in the ballroom the entire day and said, this is where I am. And I went into the dealer room and stuff and ran around. And, oh, you know, wow. I'd come back, make sure he did. Hey, hadn't left me. <laughs> <laughs> Came back with Spock ears on. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was exciting. Well, it is what it is, you know. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Anything fun? Just work? Uh, no, went back to the office last week. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I'm back, bitches. Yeah, they're all, I, everyone I ran into is like, where have you been? I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I just got out of jail. <laughs> I've been elsewhere. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. I'm sure they all yeah. missed you. Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> or not. Uh, whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was good. Um, the, the air conditioning is struggling on my end of the building. It's like, oh, oh, well, that's nice to come back to. Fun. And, you know, I had to clean off two years worth of dust. <laughs> <laughs> Did you did did they even know you at the front door? 
Like, do you have to, well, you have I to just, go past I, security? I just, I just tapped my badge. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there was a receptionist that you walked in and you're, they were like, yes, can I help you? Nope. Oh, no, nope. I work here. Do you do? Do you have proof of that, sir? Yeah. No, I go in the back door. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was fun. Nice. That's about it. Just trying to get back into some sort of routine, which has been hard. I can see that. I'll tell you, grocery shopping. Holy shit. What? Oh, coming back? <laughs> just just the having to like, yeah. Yeah, isn't it something? It's like, holy crap. Yeah, you know, it's bad. You get like one little bag and it's like a hundred bucks. It's, it's something else. It really is. I've watched prices jump up in the last couple of months to where I'm like, I need to reevaluate what I'm eating because I, I don't understand this price increase. And I get that it's it's supply and demand and all that crap. But fucking a carton of eggs here is like three and a half bucks wow. for like 12. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this? That is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat a lot of eggs, so I usually buy like, you know, the half dozen. Right. That's usually like 99 cents. I don't think it's that anymore. Wow. So, yeah, it's a uh, uh, grocery shopping is something else now. Yeah. Incredible. And weird stuff they don't have. Yeah. Yeah. They... You know, like certain like certain cuts of meat. OK. I've noticed a lot of um, I will I will go and look for um certain types of sauces or salad dressings or something. And one week they have it and then it's gone for like a month. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I had, I searched every grocery store in goose Creek for rye bread one week and couldn't really? find any. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, all I wanted was rye bread. And it just wasn't around here. And it was like, wow, okay, that's got it. I guess that's one of those things of like, there's only so much rye bread, so they're only going to send some here and then some there. Huh. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of fucked up now. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, it just is like, uh, you're just better off going out to eat, but like all those prices are going up too. That Yeah, that was ridiculous. It's like I ordered takeout from Fridays and it was like 70 bucks. Holy shit. What and it was get? just for like, I got a order of ribs yeah. and, um, some chicken tender things for an appetizer. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Did you, so wait, when you got, did you get it delivered? No, I went to pick it up. Oh, oh, holy shit. Okay. That's even worse. Yeah. Because what the other night we ordered Pizza Hut and I was like, I really don't want to go out and get it. And so I ordered it from the, the closest place and it was like, it was the price of the pizza and the breadsticks. And then it was a $5 service charge. Yes. Five dollars in tax. And then it was like, how much tip would you like to give the driver? Since the driver's being paid shit. Yeah. And and took an extra five bucks profit. And and so I was like, I got to give the dude five bucks for at least coming out here. 
And so like what should have been, if I had gone and picked it up, would have been like 20 bucks. It was like $37. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to pick it up and it's $70, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Crazy. What the hell's going on? At least gas is coming down. Yeah, but not fast enough. No, but it's still well below four bucks. Yeah. So that's good. So we have to talk about something weird that happened this week. Uh oh. Um in pop culture news, um this week Warner Brothers announced that after the um HBO Discovery merger Mm-hmm. that they were canceling the Batgirl movie. Yes. That they had spent $90 million on. Yeah. They just shelved it and decided it was, I, apparently it was really close to being done in post-production. And under the guise of, well, the the movie was, uh, it, it needed so much help that it didn't test well and that um, they didn't see they weren't going to release it theatrically. It was only going to be on HBO Max. So they were just going to shelve it. And then some other industry people that worked at HBO said, no, it actually tested really well with the test audiences. And then it came out that there was some weird. There's some. Um, timetable that between the Discovery and HBO merger that allows them to write off a bunch of projects that they've already spent money on um, in order to recoup some costs tax-wise. So mm. this is one of those issues where they got fucking Michael Keaton back as Batman J.K. Right. Simmons back as Lieutenant, uh, as as Gordon, as Commissioner Gordon. Brendan Fraser was Firefly. You've got this new girl that was elated to be Batgirl, who apparently held her own on screen against these other good actors. Right. And they just flushed it down the toilet. And the way that they have now covered it with the tax, um thing means that they can't release it in any regard it can't just go to streaming it it can't like someday be worked on and come out as a special edition like it's dead and it's just so mind-boggling to me that as a company you're willing to shelve something that you spent 90 million dollars on because you can get 20 million dollars back Well, that kind of sounds typical today. But uh, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't, and maybe I'm just not business savvy enough, Mm -hmm. but I would be, as a filmmaker, if I was, if I was in a position of making films on a grand scale, I would never want to approach HBO or Warner Brothers or anybody because 
you could work on this thing. You could put every ounce of creativity into it that you have and then look at it and be like, yeah, we're just going to shelve it. I think it's a really dangerous precedent to set. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. It's it's disturbing because look at so look at how much garbage gets actually released. Well, they're 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 keeping the Flash movie, right? And it's like, shouldn't you just cut your losses on that one? That dude is being accused of fucking like running a cult. Right. And like, why would you, why would that be the person that you're okay with? And the, the, the film where everybody's doing their best, you're just like, nah, it's cool. (laughs) I mean, I, I honestly thought that with the bad press that they were getting that Warner brothers was getting between Ezra Miller and Amber Heard, that they were going to start trying to to work around them. And apparently they're cutting Amber Heard. I was just going to say, she's not really... I mean, is she totally out of Aquaman? The last report that I read is her, her part is down to two minutes. Mm. And she's only in there because it's a major plot point. But they were doing green screen reshoots, so why wouldn't you just bring somebody in yeah, to replace her for that two minutes that you can bring back for the next one and be like not have any issues with like what the fuck Amber Heard is is, you know, in. Right. So I don't know. It's a really weird fucking time for HBO and. You know, I have HBO Max. It started out as a shitty streaming service and has worked its way up with every software update that they've done. It's become something to rival the bigger like Netflix. Like they've they put a ton of content on there. There was always something to watch. Um, And so now what they're going to do is they're going to combine Discovery Channel and HBO and there will be no more new scripted shows on HBO. It's all going to be reality TV bullshit. What? Yeah. And the DC stuff will only be theatrical because HBO or that whatever that new streaming service is, is going to be geared towards women. And the DC theatrical stuff is going to be t- geared towards men. And it's like, wow, you've missed an entire fucking like, movement in this country for fucking huh. equality, man. So it's weird. It is, it is a weird time for, for them to be doing this, but I guess things that are already, already have a season. So, um, peacemaker doom patrol and Titans will get at least one more season. Okay. And then I guess depending on the numbers that will that will determine whether or not they get cut. But I feel it's the same thing as like fucking the the Netflix problem of like don't give me something and then rip it away. Right. Just because you don't think people want it. Like Netflix is notorious for that bullshit. Oh, not nobody watched it in the first 2 days of the release, so we're going to cancel it. <laughs> it's like fuck you dude give it some time to breathe 
right? And like Warner Brothers and DC are, are this new guy is bitching about like streaming is not the answer. And it's like, motherfucker, the theatrical window for these movies is two weeks. And then it lives on streaming. Right. So why is streaming such a bad thing? Because you can't make the money directly off of it? Well, I thought that's what all the subscriptions were for. Like you're getting a monthly subscription cost of all these people coming onto your platform. Right. If the movie sucks and nobody goes to the theater, you now you're really out of like now you've really lost it cuz now nobody's going to fucking go on to HBO whatever it's going to be called now to watch it. Right. So I don't there again I'm not a I'm not a business guy so maybe I don't understand. But it's just fucked up. It's a weird, it, it, I just, it's really weird to me. Hmm. Well, speaking of uh, streaming services. Yes. So I told you about this show called Blood and Treasure. Yes. That I I liked. And <laughs> <Uh-oh>. so <laughs> it the reruns are all on paramount plus okay so it's like okay it's only five bucks i'm gonna you know sign up for this thing well the season is four episodes (laughs) unless for some reason there's a really weird gap in them but it's like okay so i guess it's over and i'm paying the 4.99 a month plus fees to watch these show these TV shows, not even movies, with commercials. Um, the uh, uh, Blood and Treasure listed on IMDb for season two has thirteen episodes. Well, all I have found are four. Maybe they're not releasing them all at once. Because there are launch dates for five of them. Okay. And then the rest say 2022. This is 2022, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot of times if they haven't been released yet, they won't put the release date on them. Hmm. Because this, what's today's date? Today is the seventh. So apparently there's a new one that comes out today. Oh, okay. Called Enter the Dragon Gate. Uh, okay. So th- it must be a weekly release. I, there, I... <laughs> it looks like they released two episodes on the 17th of July, then one on the 24th of July, one on the 31st of July, and then today. Oh, so maybe it is. Okay. Because I was kind of fused because it didn't really end. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, but why, why isn't this, you know, being. Why isn't this wrapping it up? Yeah, exactly. But five bucks. (laughs) Well, see, so now. Or you can get Paramount Plus on Amazon for another $9.99 a month. Without commercials, though? I don't know. One, two, three. Oh, so what is there? There's 
five out, 13. So, you know, it's another two months that they want to keep you locked into that, that subscription rate if you want to watch them all. Well, fuck them. <laughs> However, I've also found, I've also been watching, I just finished the first season of uh, Strange New Worlds. Yes. Wow. What do you think? Do you, do you think Star Wars thought they were getting their ass kicked by the Orville? You mean Star Trek? Star Trek. So, I think my personal feeling is that Strange New Worlds is the best Star Trek since Deep Space Nine. Um, okay. I don't like Discovery. Um, I really wanted to love Picard, but Picard's got all kinds of problems. Yeah. And so this very much seems like somebody at Paramount said, what if we made a Star Trek series like Star Trek? (laughs) Where it doesn't have to be one continuous story. Where you can tell standalone episodes that kind of tie together, kind of. Right. No, I'm curious. did, Did you watch any of Discovery? No. Okay, so I think something that you're you're missing is that in the second season of Discovery, the Discovery ends up meeting up with the Enterprise to find Spock. Spock has disappeared. Okay. And um um Pike takes control of the Discovery to go look for him. And while they're looking for him, they wind up at a Klingon moon where there's a temple yes. and they have these time crystals. Yes. And, and he actually sees his future. Okay. Cause I was so confused about that. And that's, that's what they're building off of for this show. Okay. It's how would you act if you knew what your fate was? Kind right. Of thing. Right. Um, so a lot of that is, is taken from that. So hopefully that'll fill in a little bit for you. Okay. Well, since I'm paying four ninety nine, I guess I should watch Discovery too. Oh, it's uh, the, it's painful. No, but go ahead. Is it? All right. I mean, it's a it's a decent show. It's just yeah. it's. I don't know. I don't think Sinequa Martin Green is very good in this role. Yeah. I think she's a little too emotional to be in Starfleet. Hmm. Okay. Like she's always on the verge of tears every time that she gives a big speech and it's like, hmm, okay. The last season of, of discovery, um, was filmed during the pandemic and they made a point of, of highlighting, um, the mental health of the crew as a way of being like, your mental health is very important because everybody was like, you know, in a bubble or whatever, but, okay. Um, it's a, I don't know, but I I really like Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I mean it's got really nice production values. I like the look of everything. Um, I I like them revisiting all of these aliens from you know the Shatner time, right? But they're all you know updated. You know, like I just got through the the ones with the uh the gorn yep 
who are kind of like the alien. They're like bursting out of people's bodies. Yeah. That's kind of cool because it it was like a stupid rubber head. It it was interesting because like it's got like predator vision. Yep. So it's like a mix of like alien and predator and like it's like a horror film. And it doesn't seem to be sentient. It just seems to be looking for blood. Right. At least these juveniles that I've seen so far. Right. So I th- I find that interesting. I liked the one where the um, the asteroid was sentient. Oh yeah, and whether and or not like like they should stop it or not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Are you done with the season? Yes. Okay. So like they really leaned in hard with the last episode. They did. Episode ten is basically a remake of a TOS episode. Okay. Like, um, oh, what is the, I can't remember the name of the episode. And the whole point of this is like, you know, when, when they replay this episode, it's Pike in charge instead of Kirk. Right. And like, is Pike really that good of a captain to change the future? Mm. And so like, um, is it the it's not the enemy within what the fuck is that one called it's the first introduction of the Romulans in in the original series um but it's very cool because like there's a there's a version of Pike that shows up that's in like the movie uniform yes and it's like holy shit they actually went there yes and so like it's all tied together and, and they're like, no, this is the timeline. Like if we were to follow this forward, it would be William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like, as soon as they flash into like the wedding scene, that's how the original, um, episode starts. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. What are we doing? And then I, it kind of dawned on me and I was like, holy shit, we're actually going to remake a a Star Trek, like actual episode. And like uh, everything that happens in this episode happens in the original one. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. It's straight out. Like even the camera move when, when the, the screen comes on and the Romulans look like, uh, the Vulcans. Yep. And the camera spins around and goes up to Spock and Spock does the eyebrow raise. Mm-hmm. That's straight out of the, the next, the, the original series episode. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like it was a labor of love to like match everything up. Wow. Even like the weird, like nor lighting on a bunch of it is straight out of that. So yeah, it's, it's probably my favorite star Trek in a really long time. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to second season. Maybe we'll see Joan Collins. Is Joan Collins in the second season? <laughs> uh, no, that's only in the Orville. Okay. Um, I did like the whole fairy tale episode. Yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that they were using, like, the 1960s idea of, like, instead of building new sets, we'll just redress right. the, inter- the Enterprise sets. Right, right. And we'll just we'll just use that as like the fairyland or whatever it was. My my one criticism was that like um the the kid being in the transporter mm-hmm. 
was resolved awful fast. I don't know if they were just like, we need to, this is going to be a driving point for the character, but only for a couple of episodes or what the deal was. But like, right. you find out that his daughter is, is being hidden in the transporter because she's sick. Mm-hmm. And then it's like two episodes later, she's out and she's now grown. Yes. Because she's gone to live with this entity and it's like, okay, that just wrap that one up. You know, they kill off the engineer in that, in the Gorn episode mm-hmm. that was supposed to be like the chief engineer. Right. And it's like, so I listen to a podcast that, that talks just about the start, like Star Trek episodes. And their theory was that they got to that episode and they wanted to sacrifice somebody and they hadn't cast anybody as a, as an engineer. And so they got this dude specifically for this episode and then went back and digitally added him into the other episodes because they were all shot beforehand. And so like he's in the very first episode, he beams on and he doesn't say anything. He beams onto the ship and then walks away. And then like, he's got one line where it's like a cutaway to him in one of the other episodes. And then like, there's one episode where Ohura's trapped with him um, in like a cargo bay or something. Okay. And they have this talk and it was like that they were probably when they were editing this said, you know, what would be a better fit in order to get this guy back in. We'll put him in this scene too. So they went and they shot that scene because it's just him and Ohura. So huh. it's like, they could just bring that actress back and have him interact everything else is like on comms and stuff. And so like when, when you get to the, um, um, the episode with the fairy tale, he's a major part of that, but he would already been cast by that point for that next episode. Cause he dies in the next episode. So it really feels like they had come up with this idea and then like backfilled it. And so like, it's an interesting concept. I mean, if you're not releasing them as you're making them, right. Why can't you go back and start adding shit in? Yeah. So yeah. And I did not realize that was Rebecca Romaine. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's really good in that. She is the other girl. Uh, the, the uh, pilot, not Ortegas. Oh, okay. Uh, the the one that's that's um. Sh- yeah, she, uh, she's part of the con. Sing. Yeah. Yes, she reminds me of one of the characters from the Expanse. Yes. Okay. Yes, I thought the same thing. I was like, they brought Drummer into Star Trek. I was like, Did, is that the same actress? Does she only have you know one act? She she looks just like her. Mm-hmm. And it's not her. Right. And I was like, I, I looked it up and I was like, holy shit, that's not the girl that I thought it was. Yeah. But yeah, I thought the exact same thing. And I thought I was crazy. I thought I'm, I'm surely the, I'm the only one that sees this, but I'm glad you do too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- and her character in the fairy tale episode was so unlike her real character. Right. There's like, Oh, Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a it's it's a good show. If you like Star Trek, if you like sci fi, yep. it's one of the better sci fi shows that are out right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean I I put that up with the Orville. I think those mm-hmm. are the two top like okay. on a ship doing missions thing. Right. Have you finished the Orville? Uh what was the last episode? Um there was a wedding in it. There was a wedding in it. Uh stand by. <laughs> I think if you had seen it you'd remember the wedding. Was that Domino? No. Number nine, so there's one more since then. Yes. Did you okay. watch did you watch Domino? I did. The it's a huge spectacle of an episode. Mm-hmm. There are giant space battles in it. And it's yep. not just like once you start out with a big space battle, you get an even bigger space battle towards the end. There are characters that get sacrificed. Like there is a whole ton of shit going on in this episode. Yes. It's so well done. And I wasn't a huge fan of the girl that died in it. She had always been a tad bit the in- too annoying. Was that the the the, the, the ends- racist one? Yes. Yes. I can't say I'm. I was sad to see her go. <laughs> um, and you know she grows a little at the end because she's saving the Kalon who she doesn't like or whatever. Right. Um, but I thought the execution of that on the scale that they did it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's a gigantic show now instead of like this funny kind of satire. Right. And I just, I, I really like it. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really setting the bar high. And I guess they're moving all the shows to Disney plus. And then uh, Seth MacFarlane has said that viewership on there will determine whether or not they get another season. Oh, really? So everybody should go watch it. Okay. There. Even if you've seen it, just leave it on play. Just, you know. Right. Turn your monitor off. Let it let it run. But I would be upset if we didn't get another season of that. It's just it's just so good. I also finished the ILM um yes. documentary. So that's that's an amazing documentary series. Yep. I'm really upset that there's only six of them. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they could have gone more into depth with like, cause they kind of gloss over empire and return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of that in there, but I was like, they could have done episodes just on those two. Oh yeah. And I mean, I, they could easily do a second season. Yeah. And they could break it up by movies. I mean, they could do an entire season on, on Willow, for Christ's sake. Right. And and that was the thing. Like, they were hitting major beats. They were like, this is how we started, and this has how we were moving to digital, and this was the jump to digital. Right. And, and where we are now. And it's kind of like the progression. But, yeah, I mean, they could have spent so much more time on, like, Terminator 2 and, mm-hmm. you know, because... I, because and, and, go ahead. and the Terminator Two stuff, I didn't realize how young Robert Patrick was in that. Oh yeah, and then you see him in in uh, Peacemaker. Yeah, exactly. He's he's aged quite a bit. 
Yeah. It's been 30 something years since that was out. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause they only really touch on the fact that like they were the major studio for like all the Star Trek films. Mm -hmm. They were the major studio for anything that came out in the eighties and the nineties that had to do visual effects. I wonder if this first season was to kind of test the waters possibly to see how much more because I mean they could do an entire season on the creature shop right right and you know I mean just just Jabba is you know three episodes right and they 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 touch on like there's that weird transition where they're like oh the model shop's days were numbered right but they also never didn't really go into the fact that like Lucas understood that it was easier to build models and accentuate that with computer graphics than totally jump on board the computer graphics train at first. Sure. And they're all three, all three prequel movies are 90% miniature and they're just adding stuff to those miniatures and doing set extensions and stuff like that. And like fleshing that out that it wasn't just like one day we were doing models and the next day, if you didn't want to do models and you didn't want to go learn how to do digital compositing, you were out. Right. I mean, there was, there was a 10 year lead up to that. And even, even things like, even like the matrix sequels and stuff had huge parts that were miniatures. Um, you know, Galaxy Quest was all miniatures, but that I don't remember what year that was. Was that ninety nine? I was yeah, I I somewhere between ninety seven and ninety nine. Yeah, so I mean that was right on the cusp of like of that major shift. And the major shift didn't happen the 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 documentary made it seem like it was more compressed than what I feel like it actually was. Yeah. Um, there is a channel on YouTube. Let me see what it's called. Um, it's called Pierce Film Productions. Pierce Film is all one word. And they did a, a documentary called Sense of Scale that goes into um, model making. Okay. And through everything. And they keep releasing five minute videos. Some of it's from that documentary. Some of it's not. Some of it's like newer stuff. Okay. And there's like the French dispatch that just came out, did a bunch of miniature effects. Yep. And so like it's, it's a really good, if you like that kind of stuff, if you like watching guys talk about the stuff that they did, um, it runs the gambit of like all these different movies. Oh yeah, this looks really cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like I'm subscribed to that every time it comes out, it's like something I look forward to because it's everything. And it's it's these snippets of the guys that did it, and they're just talking yeah. about kind of like what they did. So yeah. And if you like ILM, um, there is a podcast called Eighty One Eleven with uh matt wallen was a uh compositor at ilm for like 10 years and during during covid he decided that he was going to interview all of the people he worked with at ilm and so you get these real deep 
discussions about these people's backgrounds and how they came to be to ILM and what they worked on and what they did. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating look at the inner workings of ILM that you don't normally get from these documentaries. Mm. So, and that's, it's, it's a really good series, but I don't think they're doing it anymore because Matt Wallen, um, he, uh, he got diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, and apparently, because I was listening, the last one that they did was somebody interviewing him. Okay. Um, and he was going on about like, well, I get leukemia and then I find out through another scan that I have another type of cancer and that cancer <sighs> is one in like 500 people. So there's no real research into it. Huh. And you're listening to this guy that he like, like she asks him how he's doing and he goes, well, they tell me I've got like five years left. And I was like, how do you deal with that? Wow. Like, and listening to his story, like he's got this amazing career and I'm sure like he can look back on it and be like, I accomplished a lot of shit, but still is as like midlife crisis brain. Chris thinks like, I don't know how I would handle that news. Right. I've got no clue how I would react to, well, you got about like three to five years left at best. I'd be like, fuck you. Well, at least you you got a timeline now. I guess. I don't know. It's still not enough wow. time. Huh. But yeah, that's that's a good series too, and that's all about. He he talks a lot about the the shift too, because he talks to a lot of the model makers that were there during that time. Uh huh. And a lot of them shifted from the model department to digital animation and stuff. I did like in the in the ILM documentary though the way that they handled Phil Tippett. Yeah, because during Jurassic Park, he his career pretty much ended. Right. And for ILM, because ILM was not gonna like, they were always going to go towards the digital and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And him, you know, leaving and starting his own company and stuff, and still doing stop motion stuff. You know, I I appreciated the fact that they brought him back. They brought like John Dykstra back. Yep. And like all these people that were super influential that like when I was reading Cinefix magazine when I was a kid, uh huh, those were the people that they were interviewing. Right. And to see them and to hear their stories and stuff. I just I really appreciate that Disney Plus even like considered doing that. Mm hmm. And I do hope yeah. there's a second season. Yeah, I mean it was so well done, yeah. and there's so much more, obviously. Yep. That's totally unseen. Yep. I mean, I just remember seeing a lot of, of never before, um, Warwick Davis stuff when I worked with him. Because okay. you know he was, he was a little kid and he was having fun, and there's all this this footage. I mean, there's got to be more than what I've seen. Well, and and. Like when I think it's episode one of the series where they talk about how Lucas was was basically running the behind the scenes crew. Was it on Apocalypse Now? Where he just followed the production with a camera. And so Uh, that sounds about right. So he knows the value of behind the scenes stuff. And leaving that legacy so which is why I think there is all that footage 
I think people were tasked like there, there was probably an ILM like documentary crew. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you get to this, they're like, Oh, here's a ton of shit. Like here's, here's home movies from everybody. Right. And just, you know, they worked from it from there. Um, and going back to that podcast, um, Matt Wallen had said his first job at ILM as an intern was they sent him into like the storage room that has all of these slides and behind the scenes photos. And he said it was like going to film school, just looking at all those. Wow. So there's a whole world of stuff that they've never even tapped into. Huh? So, you know, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and like like when you start watching the the clips from Pierce uh Pierce Film Productions. Yeah. Every every like model builder took progress shots of their stuff. Right. And like, you know, they they were friends with everybody in the model shop, so they're taking pictures of their friends. And so in the background you're seeing all this other stuff that they're working on. And like yeah. every single production company has those pictures. Mm -hmm. So even if they didn't do like an ILM one, I think it'd be interesting to do something similar with other production companies. Yeah. And just like, you know, get that work out there. Cause those, those are real artists. Those are like, they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into like these creations that nobody knows their names. Right. Well, it's like, I almost feel like there should be a streaming service, you know, like a discovery plus or whatever. That's like just on filmmaking. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. And I mean, everything from set decoration to costume design to special effects to script writing to, you know, filming techniques. It's like there's so much out there. And especially in the last, you know, 50 years. Right. There's all this behind the scene footage. Right. That, you know, you you didn't really get back when, you know, movies were big in the, you know, 30s 40s and 50s right and i remember when i was a kid um i had like a small vhs library of making of uh -huh. vhs tapes yep it was star wars and indiana jones and anything that i could find on vhs that was like behind the scenes stuff so it's all got to be out there and it's all it's probably most of it's probably on youtube probably you just gotta dig for it yeah no, I want it all in one place. I mean, it would be it would be nice if it was all in one place. Yeah. And even like, you know, you could get people like um, the director of Shazam, David F. Mm -hmm. Sandberg. He has an entire YouTube channel called Pony Smasher where he talks about and shows you how he makes visual effects at home. Okay. And like he's done horror films for Hollywood where he was sitting there and he was like, Oh man, I wish I had this shot. And he's got a, he's got like a black magic cinema cam at home mm -hmm. and he just went into his basement and shot something and it's in the movie. Right. Like put all that on there too. Like just have all this stuff of like, this is the way it was done. This is where we've come from and this is what we're doing now. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. You could do like set decorating Mondays. 
I think we should launch the Dance Monkey Dance Film School <laughs> series. I mean, I wonder how much of this stuff I could get the rights to. Yeah. Because even today, like, like you see all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff after these big movies come out of, like, um, even if it's, like, B-roll and um, gag reels and stuff, but, like, they've got all of this footage. Right. That I just, I, I've never seen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one of the ones that I watched a lot growing up there and if you if you search for this it's actually all on YouTube is from Star Wars to Jedi the making of a saga okay that sounds familiar and that was one of those VHS's that I had that it was mostly Return of the Jedi but Mm -hmm. it definitely starts out with star Wars. Okay. Um, and it's a documentary from 1983. And so all this stuff is, it looks like a lot of the stuff is out there. And I know there's an empire strikes back making of that's got Mark Hamill as the host where he's like standing in a movie theater and like he's doing Yoda impressions and stuff. But I don't remember what that was called. Uh, is this it? Yes, okay. Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back SPFX 1980 documentary is the other one that I watched a lot. And that's got that's all behind the scenes. So there's definitely a bunch out there. Okay. But it is sad, like we talked about last week, that there is no, like the movies being made today completely digitally, there is no, like, models and stuff from that anymore. There is no tangible. I mean, there's props and stuff, but, like, the big stuff isn't there. Did I lose you? You got quiet. John? Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. So this happened last week when we were recording. (laughs) Just some random thing has started playing on my computer, and it happened twice. Weird. And it's like I immediately shut down the um, uh, all my browsers. And it's like still playing. The first time it was like the Munsters trailer. <laughs> and I can't identify what this last thing was, but it's like, what the hell? Rob Zombie will do anything to, pr- to pr- promote that. I guess so, because it's like there's, you know, I don't have a browser open. I don't see anything in the task master in the task manager <laughs> saying that things are 
Maybe it's the Taskmaster. The Taskmaster? I bet that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, so the, yeah, as, as you were saying? <laughs> no, I was just I was just wrapping that up as with, you know, it's sad that there are no more tangible models from movies anymore. Like I always really enjoyed going to Disney MGM Studios to the AFI exhibit. Uh-huh. When that was there and like seeing props and costumes and stuff and models and how cool that was being that close to it. And then, you know, Disney is like, no, we're going to do something else now. And that's all gone. Yeah. I mean, I remember they had the organ from dead man's chest. They had the tower of London from rain of fire. Yep. You know, I mean, they had cool stuff in there. I mean, they had the goddamn armadillo from Armageddon. Right. Like sitting outside, like there was a ton of shit that, that Disney would just be like, all right, let's just bring that on over. Yeah, not anymore. Nope. Nope, it's all digital. Yep. Pretty soon you'll be paying 120 bucks to wear your Oculus at home and <laughs> walk through a fake theme park. Woohoo! Yeah. I guess. Uh, I, I watched the new Predator movie this week. Yeah, what did you think? I mean, I'm not a Predator fan. I, don't, I haven't watched any of those movies. No. I may have caught them in passing, but I was never a predator fan. This, go ahead. this is probably uh top two for me for the predator films. Okay. It's extremely well done. It's, they've taken it out of the realm of modern day. It's set in 17, 17, 18. Oh, okay. And it follows a group of Comanche in- Indians who, stumble across the predator on their first um, hunt on earth. Okay. And everything that the other predator movies have done wrong, this one actually did right. Um, the other predator films are too fast to reveal the, 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 the creature. Right. Because they spent a lot of money on this outfit, so they're going to get it on camera by God and like, you know, whatever. This builds suspense. You you obviously know that the Predator is there, um, but you're dealing with Native Americans who have never seen anything like that. And so Predators camouflage themselves. Right. And this the it's interesting because the way that they do it is the you see the predator um trying to figure out who is the top of the food chain and so it starts out with it comes across um a snake eating a mouse okay and so it kills the snake because the snake is obviously the predator and then uh-huh. it's um a rabbit and a wolf and he kills the wolf because he's the predator and it goes up to a bear. And like, by the time it's hunting the bear, you've got the Comanche Indians involved. And so, um, all of a sudden they're seeing an invisible creature killing a bear 
and they're now thinking that it's, you know, it's a story from their past that's coming for them. Um, it's just laid out really well. Huh. Okay. And it's all native American actors. Um, you know, there's a, there's a contingent of fur traders that are all French that, okay. you know, are trapping animals and stuff and they don't like the native Americans. And so they use them as bait at one point and like, but they don't, one of the things that I really like about this is like the French guys don't speak English or well, I should say this way in order for us to understand what's going on, the Comanche speak English just out of sheer, not having to subtitle everything. Right. There are bits of the Comanche language in it, but whenever it's um, exposition or, you know, they're trying to do something, it's in English, but all the French people speak French and they don't subtitle anything. Okay. You're just getting inference of what they're doing through their actions um, as this whole thing's going down, it's, it's, it's a really well done predator film. Like for all the shit that we've gotten recently from it, right? The shame black thing where there was a super predator and it's like that you don't have to make them bigger to make them scarier. Right. Like the dude that can camouflage and hit you with a, um, a net that contracts and slices you into pieces. That's scary enough. <laughs> without having to make it like, you know, nine feet tall. So I really like appreciated that they kind of looked at what made the first one good. And it's that idea of like, it's like jaws. Like you don't see the, you don't see the shark until an hour in this, in this movie, you don't see the predator in its full form until like 50 minutes in or something. And other than that, it's this, it's this invisible invader that's just like killing things. And so I, I don't know. It's for a movie that didn't get a big release and went right to Hulu. I'm extremely impressed with. And okay. I hope that there's a sequel. I mean, I, because it's an interesting story. You're taking it away from what we know because it's always been guys with guns and they were a formidable threat to the predator and this is bows and arrows and axes and so it should be very one-sided and the way that they get through the movie totally makes sense and totally seems like ingenuity that a person at the time would have um and it's not asking you to suspend your disbelief on anything other than the major idea that there's an alien on the planet hunting people so I really enjoyed it. I really thought it, that it was, it was good. So if there's anybody out there that was on the fence, I would recommend it. Well, cool. Yeah. And then this week I also watched two older movies. Yes. Um, I don't know why I was on a Chevy chase kick. Okay. But I was, I watched Fletch. Okay. Because I hadn't seen Fletch in a long time, and I had forgotten half of that movie. Um, but I enjoyed that too. And then I w- have you ever seen his movie Modern Problems? Uh, that's not the one with 
Oh, which one is that? No. Let is me... that the one where he where his car breaks down and No. There's a, this weird town? No. no. Okay. No, that's nothing but trouble. Okay. Modern problems. Let me paint this picture for you. Chevy Chase plays a air traffic controller. And on his way home from work one night, he gets behind a truck of radioactive waste. Okay. And the cap comes off and fills his car with radioactive waste. When he wakes up, he has superpowers. Mm. And um, there's a scene. There's a scene in a restaurant where he makes a dude have a nosebleed. Okay. But like a massive nosebleed where it's like squirting out all over the people. Ew. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting film. Okay. But that's from like, I think that's on Amazon maybe. Okay. Um, but I remember watching that growing up too. And I hadn't seen that since. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I watched an interesting movie. What'd you watch? Have you heard about the princess? The princess. The princess. No. What is it about? It, uh, it's about a princess. <laughs> and a pea. And she's on Hulu. And it's kind of like... (sighs) So she's a princess. She's locked in a tower. She's going to be married to this guy who's an asshole, played by Dominic Cooper. (laughs) And um, it's nothing but action scene after action scene after action scene where she's, like, kicking everybody's ass. Oh. There's, like, not much of a plot. And it's very bloody. Oh, it's good. But Joey it was kind of, kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> it was very mindless. Like, you know, you didn't have to pay a lot of attention to it because it's, you know, it was just one fight scene after another. And uh, she's got a little sister who ends up, you know, kind of joining her as she's trying to save the kingdom. And, um, you know, it's a real girl power kind of thing. And then at the very end, the king, her father, makes an announcement that from now on his daughters um, will be able to choose their own future. Blah, blah, blah. You know, happy ending. <laughs> but it was kind of, it's, it was kind of a, it, it's made in, I think, Bulgaria. <laughs> okay. So there's like pretty much nobody you know in the cast other than Dominic Cooper. Okay. And this girl, Joey King. Yeah, I know who Joey King is. Okay. I only know her from Oz the Great and Powerful. Okay. Where she played uh, and the China girl, the, like the, right. the glass doll. Yeah, that's the only thing I ever knew her from. Yeah. Uh, what, what do I know her from? I'm looking at her. Oh, Slender Man. There's a, she did a bunch of like horror stuff. Okay. Oh, she's in Bullet Train with... Uh, Red Pit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. I like it. It's just that. it's it's just you know, mindless fun. It's it's nice to see those types of films every once in a while. Yeah. I mean it it's very heavy girl power, but it wasn't like it didn't feel woke. It was okay. like oh, she's like a real badass. <laughs> like atomic blonde, like Yeah, like just kind a, of an ass kicking it yeah. just happens to be a girl. Yep. Yeah. You'll have to. 
the IMDb rating is only 5.5, but yeah, what do they know? Had like a 43% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but sometimes the audience doesn't get it. That's right. Oh, I also watched. Um, there's a movie on Netflix called Spiderhead. Okay, that's Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. Okay, and, and it's this movie about. Um, well, you find out why the people are there, but they're they're um, testing out new drugs, and it's it's like, could you make a drug that makes everybody happy? And can you make a drug that makes everybody horny and like shit like that? Okay. Um, and it's it's this really interesting like, it's all shot in one location. It's it's I'm not a huge Miles Teller fan. So that was probably the worst part of it. But like it's got Chris Hemsworth as this like not mad scientist, but like he's definitely up to some shady shit. Okay. Um, it's it's an interesting it's one of those mindless movies that like you get a, a bucket of popcorn and you just sit down and watch it. But it's interesting. Okay. I think one thing I'm going to search out this week is The Shadow. The Alec, Alec Baldwin? Baldwin? Yeah. The Shadow Knows? Because I remember listening to to those radio things. Yeah. Like I think it was like a, one of our supermarkets when I was growing up was like selling the cassettes or you got a cassette with, you know, a purchase or something like that. <laughs> and then the movie came out and it's like, well, he doesn't look anything like The Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't they do that thing where like... Um, when he's the shadow, his nose is a different shape or something. Yeah. Like there's something really weird that happens, but that was, that was around that time of like dark man and Dick Tracy. Yep. And the phantom. Yep. Where like, it was all these kind of obscure. Well, not Dick Tracy because Dick Tracy was probably more well known, but they did the same thing because the Dick Tracy comic strip he's got kind of a a beak looking nose right and they didn't want you know pretty Warren Beatty to be in prosthetics to be homely yeah whatever yeah yeah but I mean they also like Dick Tracy for anybody who hasn't seen it was made in a really interesting way like they they kept the color palette down to like what newspapers had Right. So like every red is the same red. Yep. In it and like every yellow is the same yellow and like um they tried to make it like a living comic strip. And and a lot of people did not like this movie, but the movie itself looks really cool. Yeah. And you know, it had we mentioned Paul Servino last week. He's yep. in it. Um Al Dick Van Dyke is in it. Al Pacino. Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> As Breathless Mahoney, man. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... A, it... What? Oh, God. Here comes another random freaking video <laughs> playing. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. 
That's freaking weird. Maybe I'm going to have to, like, delete Chrome and start over again. Maybe. That's weird. Um, you should go to Firefox. I used to be on Firefox. Firefox is more secure. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll go back to it. Um, yeah, the thing with the Alec Baldwin in the shadow was that he, when he's the shadow, he has the ability to, like, to fog men's minds. Right. And so, like, that different face was kind of, you know, like, his face never really changed, but it was like, that's how people saw the character. Right, and that's how they photographed him. Like, he, he had this, like, weird prosthetic yes. thing on his face when they shot those scenes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Yes. But it's got Tim Curry in it. It does? And Ian McKellen, yeah. See, now I'm going to have to go back and see it. Jonathan Winters. Peter Boyle. Yep. James Hong. He's in everything. He is. I mean, that man is in like millions of movies. Have you seen the, there was a movie that was just out called everything everywhere all at once. I haven't seen it yet. It's amazing. You need to see it. Yeah. And he's in it. (laughs) Oh, of course he is. (laughs) He's in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he isn't he the, the Chinese restaurant maitre d' and Christmas in story? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, in Seinfeld He's in and Seinfeld. in Big Bang. Yes. Yeah, I don't think he was in Christmas Story, though. Okay. I don't know who that one is. He was also Lopan in um, oh, Big yep. Trouble in Little China. Like, he's he is everywhere. He's yep. He's got a ton of shit going on. He was in Blade Runner. And his career starts, holy shit. Hang on. In 1954. He was an uncredited South Korean pilot trainee in something called the Dragonfly Squadron. Mm, okay. 1954. And he's still making films. He was in I Dream of Genie. The TV show? Yeah, one one episode. Oh, okay. In 1966, he played a character called Chan. Because that's where we were in 1966. Um, yeah, I mean, he was in everything. Wow. I mean, just the 80s. He was in the A-Team and Airwolf. Yeah. And It's a Living. Who's the Boss? The Golden Child. Magnum P.I., Santa Barbara, Miami Vice, Beauty and the Beast, The Equalizer, Hunter. This dude did everything. Jesus. I mean, it scrolls forever. He was born in 1929. Dude's almost 100. Yeah. And he's got post-production credits on four films. One's a short, one's his voice. Maybe he really is the fant- the uh, Lopan. Lopan, he's just going to live forever? He's going to live forever. <laughs> he, f- he found that Chinese girl with the green eyes. <laughs> wow. James Hong is an American legend. 
Yes, he is. He studied, he studied civil engineering at the University of Minnesota, but decided to act instead. Wow. Okay. He's got 454 credits as an actor. That's it? And But, like, there's a lot of TV shows in there where he plays in, like, multiple, multiple episodes. Hmm. Damn. There's still hope, though, John. You could become an actor. No, that's okay. I don't need that much attention. There, well, I mean, there are some actors that don't start until in their 50s. You know? What are you saying? I'm saying... That could be my second life? Yes. I'm saying there's there's time to become a character actor. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Now I'm good. You don't want that Hollywood lifestyle? Uh, God, no. The, fi- <laughs> the financial independence? Mm, no. Okay. Nope, I'm good. Be sure to thank you at the Oscars then. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, good times. All right, you got anything else for this week? Uh, no. All right, well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com you can follow us on twitter facebook youtube listen to your listening so until next week this is chris this is john have a good week who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men the shadow knows the shadow knows dun, dun, dun.